Hey yo, homie, it's Swat. It's been a minute, but I want to check in on you, man. Life's been a journey, and uh, I miss you. Like, if you got a second, if you're free, hit me up. Much love. out of jail um it was actually two people um how you know he didn't do it look innocent is a proven guilty that's all I, that's all i know that's, that's that's how it's written that's what it is that's no me you feel me and like the thing is <laughs> the thing is it's just like yo at the end of the day whoever it was they're only in there because they're poor if they had bread they would have been out so like why can't i just throw them the alley-oop if i could so i did that you know? nah, that's real that's, that's right. I just think about that line that 50 Cent said in power. Whatever he said that he did, whatever they say he did, he did that shit. Yeah, that's TV. I'm talking about real life, bro. Yeah, I was about to say, like, you, you're getting life advice from power? Nah, I'm <laughs> just saying. I mean, it, y'all act like y'all don't watch that show. Y'all act like there's not some similarities, you know what I'm saying? How y'all getting y'all ghost bag real quick when you got to be serious about some shit? Y'all don't want to yeah, own no clubs? I, I, I actually don't watch the show, so I really can't Exactly. Come on, exactly. <laughs> Yo, no, here's something crazy, actually. So, like, I went to the premiere of the first season at Radio City, and um, it was dope, and there was an after party at Cipriani, right? And it, that was, like, one of the craziest parties my entire life. It was, like, literally all you can eat, all you can drink, gourmet food, all this kind of stuff. 50 came through, and, you know, he was dapping everyone up. 50 Cent was there for, like, maybe 30 minutes, 40 minutes tops, right? And then he just dipped. And I'm thinking to myself, why would he leave this? Then I was like, damn, wait, he's that nigga. Of course he'd leave this. Because, like, he got other, he's got other shit to do, right? Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I'm thinking to myself, I think I've had a pretty good life. I've done this and that stuff I'm not going to talk about here. But... <laughs> <laughs> Give no details. Yeah, we'll let um, our listeners try to just, like, think of whatever they want to. <laughs> they can read between the lines. <laughs> but either way, I'm thinking to myself, like, yo, I've done some crazy shit, but this is, like, some other other shit, right? And the fact that he only had 30 minutes out of his time to do this, it's like, what does a man do when he can do anything he wants? And my imagination just went crazy, and I still can't comprehend it, and I just, I, I really want to know. I really want to know. Well, I guess, yeah, we should also... um probably flip into some introductions real quick 
I think that's yeah. a, I think we right about time for that. That's a good idea. We'll, we'll sit on that question for a second. <laughs> What's good, y'all? It's your boy, Lucid, Azim, Azim. Uh, I don't think I have any other nicknames I could use for today. So so we'll stick right. <laughs> we'll stick with those. Uh, as always, we got your boy on the mic. Yeah, this is E. I'm only gonna go by one name today. I mean, you call me E. You can call me Hefe, maybe. You know. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> you know, whatever y'all want to call. What, what's up with the wilds? Can you introduce yourself? That's funny. You that's funny. My son, E. Yo, here's the story. I came son. back from Colombia. Now I'm your son. I, 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 let, I let everyone know. I was like, yo, what's good? I'm Hefe. I changed my changed my Instagram. It's LL Hefe on Instagram. So my that means it's real. Is Glenn, call me what you want. <laughs> now he's calling himself Hefe. It's, it's just funny. I'm on your show and now all of a sudden you Hefe. All right. Cool, cool. I guess I'm Glenn today. All right. Wait, hold on. You think because you just put it as your Instagram name, all of a sudden that's just that just makes you can only be the person that claims that? I just remember in the group chat, when, as soon as I call myself Hefe, you change this thing to Hefe Fresco. If I if I, if I, I don't I even do, that is false. I got receipts. We could we could do this if you really y'all want know to do there this, are other languages, bro. There are other languages. Y'all could just like Google Translate boss to whatever language you want, bro. There's enough. There's enough to go. Right? He said right? he went to Colombia one time. That's crazy. That's crazy. So whoever has whoever has Glenn as their Instagram name, is that the real Glenn then? Or now do you have Look, to add just, the I'll real just, Glenn? I'll just whatever. put it this way. We knew each other for four years. I, the the minute I called myself Hefe, he was like, oh, Hefe Fresco. And now all of a sudden I'm on the phone. He knew I was going to be Hefe. He's like, nope, I'm E. It's a letter. No, 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 I'm just, I'm just. the J to the F and another E. Like, what? Uh-huh. All right, all right, all right. I'm right, so Agree to disagree. <laughs> our listeners do not care about this at the slightest. <laughs> y'all, y'all coming out here with like age old deep grievances with each other over this, this half age shit. <laughs> that was so funny shit. Uh, wait, hold on. You said you, said you went to Colombia. When, when did you make that trip? Yeah, I went in uh, four, four years ago now. It was uh, October 2014 is when I went. It was, long story short, uh, it, it started off as a bus trip. I went from Lima, Peru, took a bunch of buses to like different spots in South America, ended up living in Medellin for a little bit. Oh, dope. What, what inspired Colombia? Like, why'd you choose there? Um... So, like, I was trying to learn Spanish, and the telenovela just wasn't cutting it, honestly. So, I had to... <laughs> you watching Mad Telemundo and stuff? Low-key, yeah. That and, it wasn't and, uh, working. Yeah, that and, and Fútbol Argentino. That's a whole other thing. Either way, that? my point is, Fútbol Argentino, I used to watch Boca Juniors all the time from, like, eighth grade. Um, so, there's, like, a South American soccer team. But either way, I wanted to learn, and I saw on Google that Colombia has the clearest Spanish, and, like, even on CNN, like, a lot of the CNN commentators happen to be from Colombia because it's, like, it's clear, it's neutral, and people from different areas can understand it. Mm. Um, so I was like, all right, if I'm going to do this, like, I got to do, like, the hooked on phonics, like, low-key type of, type of Spanish. You know what I mean? So that's what I did. I went down there. I took some salsa classes as well. I was taking them when I was living in Bolivia from before that. So I was like, all right, Colombian salsa, like, they're known for it. I'm going to go down and see what's good. And Oh, shit. So you got a mean salsa now. Yeah, you know, I mean, that, that's what happens. You drink a little bit of the water down there, all of a sudden your hips start, you know. <laughs> what? Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's why she, Shakira's hips don't lie. She drinks mad water. Wow, that was, I'm, I'm going to throw some tomatoes at that one. That was, but, wow, it's all good. I mean, they're called tomates, but. <laughs> 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 Dude. 
<laughs> nah, that's what's up. Wait, quick thing. If I guess they consider you said they considered the what kind what kind of Spanish? It, it, it's it's neutral. So neutral. like gotcha. it's it's clear, it's slower, it's cool. But no one told me in Medellin they'd be speaking different, bro. Like it's actually like very, very different. It's Bogota that's like clear and, and whatever. So, so when you come back uptown, how was that? Dominicans be speaking different. They'd be like, Hola, mami, que lo que and I'm just like, what? Like, that's a whole other other type of Spanish. Like, I have Colombian friends that do not understand Dominicans. But it, it's over time, you kind of pick it up and get it. But it like, Colombia didn't help is the point. <laughs> <laughs> Got you. <laughs> that's real. Now, I have friends who always say, like, just the, I guess, the Spanish that they learn sometimes in the classroom really just does not translate to real life. No, not at all. Not like, do at people all. use, it starts with a V. Oh, vosotros? Vosotros, yeah, do people use that? See, that's in Spain. That's that's a whole different type of Spanish. Spain with the lisp and all that, like, like that's different grammar. But it Normally, like in Latin America, the vosotros is not used. But in Argentina, instead of like, y tú, they say y vos. It's, I don't know, there's like little, every country has its own little things, right? Like, if you look at like uh, England, they call the, the elevator the lift, the line a cue. Everyone has their own little different words. It's the same in Spanish. That's facts. That's yeah. real. Hey, while we're on the subject of countries, uh, where are you from originally? So I was born in Queens, um, raised in Long Island. I live in Brooklyn now. And uh, my mom is English. My dad is Haitian. They met at a Jamaican club, and now I'm here. So that's that's kind of what it is. <laughs> <laughs> the club was popping? Must have been. They tell you stories about it? I like to think of my parents as virgins, so I don't really know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they met, at this, they met at this Jamaican club and then decided to uh, adopt a kid. <laughs> no, I think it was, uh, what do they call it? The stork? Um, yeah, no, the stork, exactly, exactly. Something like that. I was just dropped on my head a little bit. Kept it moving. Stork pulled up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just kept it going from there. Now, that's what's up. I, honestly, I need to travel soon as well. You said you Where did Where are you trying a, to go? Honestly, next. I'm really trying to go to Tokyo. That's what's up. I, 150%. That's what's up. Wait, as in, have you traveled a lot? Have you have you traveled a lot? Yeah, I mean, I, I my family's from Pakistan, so that's like the trip, the Furthest I've been slash the trip I've done the most. Um, mm-hmm. I've been to Paris, which was like amazing. That shit was like, yeah, that shit was different for me. <laughs> and then uh, I've been to Lisbon, which was pretty dope. And then besides that, pretty much just domestic. I, I have a long list of places I want to travel to. I mean, I feel like we all do. <laughs> no, definitely. That's definitely trying to see the world eat as much amazing food as possible do you go back to pakistan every year nah i haven't been in like five years but i'm going in around the holidays like i'm gonna be out there in christmas and i'm gonna be out there i, I come back to new york on new year's eve so i'm gonna be asleep oh, as wow. soon as that while that ball's dropped <laughs> That's but yeah yeah no nah, i'm excited for it i'm excited for it how many uh trips have you made Glenn? A uh, few. Um, when I was a little kid, I went on a few cruises like throughout the Caribbean. Um, I went to Haiti when I was real little. I went to England. Um, in college, I studied abroad a few times. Um, so I had the chance to go to Bolivia for a bit. And in that trip, I, w- I went through Peru, Ecuador, Colombia. And then I finished up my last semester in Argentina. I was in Buenos Aires. And then in December, I'll be out uh, in Belgium and be doing like a TED Talk. 
And then I'm just going like, to jig around in Europe. I don't really have a full itinerary. My boy lives in Paris. I'll see him. Hey. And then I'll be back before Christmas. Damn. Okay. So, so yeah. The jig is definitely important. First off, yeah. yes. The jig is important. Second off, what's the what's the TED Talk on? That's super dope. Yeah. Um. So it it's basically like I started a nonprofit and we do like activism using virtual reality and augmented reality. And just the basics of it is how like I'm really frustrated by the fact that we still protest in the same way that we've done, whether it was the Vietnam War, the civil rights movement. Meanwhile, you can literally order a cab with an app on your phone. There's all these companies in Silicon Valley that are disrupting all these amazing ways because they see the profit margins, right? But like when it comes to life and death, it's basic. You hold up a cardboard sign, you scream as loud as, loud as you can. It doesn't make any sense to me. So just talking about like basically like the next wave of activism and like how we're trying to be the catalyst for that. Damn, that sounds super dope. What what do you see that next wave being? Like if if you feel like that's outdated, like how would you use technology to make the art of protest evolve from here? So there's a short term and a long term. The short term cuz um the short term is with augmented reality because like it's it doesn't require a lot of work. Um when I mean work I'm talking about like it doesn't require a budget and doesn't require like a crazy amount of time and we don't really have bread like that, so that's helpful. Um, so with augmented reality, we're basically going to create a book on the true story of Christopher Columbus. And we have a smartphone app where you put the app and the phone over each image and they come to life. And the idea is that you can get through this book in about five minutes to ten minutes. And you're walking away with like information that you would find in a much thicker book. Because at the end of the day, like people's attention span is a lot shorter than it was before, right? Like people don't read thick books that they're not interested in. So the idea is that if we're showing this dope technology, like people might just want to see it just because it's augmented reality, not even because it has a purpose. But then when they see the purpose, hopefully they walk away with something else. So that's like the short term. Mm. Why just the long term? Hmm? Well, yeah, yeah, hold up. Let's, let's pause on the let's pause on the long term because I feel like there's a lot to talk about on the short term. I'm a bookmark that sure. in my in my mind from right now. <laughs> oh, dude, yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, sure, but sure. why 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 Christopher Columbus? Why not um sort of highlight just different facets of history or aspects of history with I guess the utilization. Yeah, like of why not why not I guess like um, Malcolm X. I don't know. That, he came to my mind first. All right, so. I like to think about it this way. As far as history is concerned, like we often follow the narratives of the victors or the oppressors in many ways. And then if you look at America, there's so many contradictions. Like right now, the only two individuals of the national holiday are Dr. King and Christopher Columbus. Like Dr. King literally gave his life for justice. Christopher Columbus owned people. Like, it makes no damn sense, right? And so I think a good model to look at is how the Jews reformed Germany, really. Like, it would be absurd to think that there would be any statues of Adolf Hitler in the middle of Nazi Germany, and there are not. And it's and for good reason, right? You don't praise someone that does evil stuff on a massive scale, right? And so... If you look at Columbus, like that's there's been a statue in New York City that's been up since 1892, right? 
Mm-hmm. And like people seem to be very attached to statues and monuments. You look at what happened in Charlottesville, that was literally over a monument. That's right. Fun. And you were there, right? Yeah, I was I was there. That was that was some shit. I'll I'll tell you about that in a second. But but um as far as the monument itself, like if you're challenging like something that's at like the very fabric of our society, it kind of unpacks the rest, right? Because if we're praising an oppressor, then that contributes to the systemic process of dehumanization that transcends generations. And so whether it's mass incarceration, unsympathetic immigration policy, like cash bail, whatever the case may be, like issues that affect people of color today, it all goes back to the beginning. So the reason why we chose Columbus is because if you handle it at the beginning, it unravels the rest. And then it starts a legitimate conversation as far as how we can be equal. So that's what it is. That's real. That's real. What's super dope too about that is like, it's the future of protest, but it's also like just like the future of storytelling in general. Like that, that's such a creative way of getting people to think about these ideas. Like I feel like there's an understanding in there of like how culture just moves nowadays that is lacking in a lot of other forms of activism that, that kind of become more mainstream sometimes. Uh, I have to ask, you went to Charlottesville. Uh, what, like, what was your experience like out there? I'll, I'll keep it as open ended as possible, so you can kind of just talk about where you're. Like, was it as intense as media showed us, or was it even more intense? And it was just something that can't even be documented. So most people know about what happened the day of. The day before was much worse, in my opinion. So basically, we were in a church. And at the end of the service, the minister said that there were Klansmen outside with torches and we could not leave. And Eric, you're in my group chat. You already know what it is. Like I sent, I sent messages to the group chat saying like the clan was outside with torches, whatever, whatever. Cause like, I just didn't know what was going to happen. And the first thing that was going through my head was what if they burn the church? And if they burn the church, I'm in the church, I'm going to die. So I thought about like, like how in Aleppo, Syria, when the tanks were coming towards the city itself, people were sending out tweets as like little memorials mm-hmm. as far as like what we were going on. Like at least my last thoughts would survive. So I sent it to y'all to be like, yo, like you my boy, like I love you, all that type of stuff. But like it's not over, whatever, whatever, like just the thoughts. So worst case scenario, it's at least out there. Um, but at the same time, I mean, it was just, it was a crazy situation. Like I remember going to the usher and being like, hey, is this church fireproof? And they're looking at me like, I don't know. And I'm like, yo, so like you're like the Nazis were here in July. This time we were there in August, right? They were there in July doing a demonstration. Did you have like a plan? They're like, I don't know. And I'm like, this is this is Was that the most scared you were? So Yeah, no, I was definitely scared. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna front like I wasn't. Like I, I really thought that we were it was gonna be a bad situation. Um and for that reason, the next day I was not scared. Um, because I remember there was Another girl, black woman, she said to me, like, this is what our ancestors went through. And I thought about it. I was like, yeah, like, I was shook. But at the same time, if I wanted to vote, like, like you know, a couple decades back and I was in the South, they burn a cross on my lawn. They throw a brick through my window. They might lynch me. You know what I mean? So at that point, I was like, all right, Glenn, it's your turn to do your part, advance for your people. Let's really do something. So long story short, the day of, I wanted to 
interview both sides just to see where they were coming from. But as soon as I get there, there's tear gas flying. People are throwing different objects and hitting each other with hammers. Someone threw a mailbox. I was like, all right, this is no place for an interview. And I had chains in my back, in my backpack, um, just to remind them what they were defending because they were defending Robert E. Lee, the general of the Confederacy. So I threw the chains on and I felt my hands get hot. And it was like this like spiritual type of awakening. I just ran to the front of like the sh- the line of shields that the Nazis had, and I screamed, "This is what you represent." Do you think they care? Do you think they even care when you? Because I, I hear people always, I guess, trying to talk to both sides or trying to get their perspective and let them know that what they're doing is just not accepting, and the fact that what they're doing is honestly just pure evil. Do you think they honestly truly give a fuck? And do you still feel like those? Yeah, those I mean, to jump are in. Important? To to jump in on that, have you ever encountered someone from you know the other side at one of these rallies who you've had an experience that you would deem positive with? That's a better, yeah, that's actually a better way to put it. All right, let, let, let's do it piece by piece. First question, as far as does it matter because they don't give a fuck either way? My intention wasn't to try and convince them of anything when I was having an interview with them. The intention was to show one side and the other side. And then the viewer can pick what they want. Because I'm doing like a documentary in in VR. So you put on the VR headset and you can see you're in the middle of Charlottesville. You see the clouds of balloon smoke above you and the tear gas and all the crazy shit that went down. But the idea is not like, oh, you're a Nazi. Have you thought about this, that, and the third? Have you thought about "I'm I'm a human? Like, no. It's what is your side, what is the other side, and then whoever's watching it decides whatever they believe. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And then as far as whether or not I had a positive encounter, um, I had an unexpected encounter a few weeks later. So it was um, September 17, 2017. It was was supposed to be called the mother of all rallies, and it was a Trump rally in the middle of Washington, D.C., and at the time, I was moving with Black Lives Matter of Greater New York. And it was 1,500 of them. There was 10 of us. And we walked out to protest, right? And I remember, like, thinking to myself, we're about to get fucked the fuck up. And I was like, all right, I just got to make sure I don't look stupid while I get fucked up on national TV. That was the only thing that was going through my mind. Um, I'm dead ass. And so... We get there, they're screaming all this kind of stuff, go back to Africa, monkey this, like all this crazy stuff, right? And there were a couple of people from Charlottesville who were actually there. And we get to, we get to the, like, close to the stage. And I remember Hawk Newsom, he's the, the leader of the group. I remember whispering to him, like, yo, wouldn't it be crazy if we got up on that stage? Next thing you know, they invite us onto the stage. And then Hawk gives the speech that's about, like, essentially finding common ground. Like, we're all Americans. If we want to make the country great, we do it together. There were some points that they agreed with, other points that they did not. And um, it was that moment where, like, it was kind of wild. Like, they actually saw us as human beings, and, like, we had conversations with them, like, instead of just exchange insults in, like, a militant type of way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that was, so that was the, that was a special moment. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Word. That's that's powerful, man. Um, it's interesting you mentioned Hawk because Hawk is someone who I've followed through social media and like he definitely seems to be someone who is more open to having conversations 
not obviously with people who are like leading with hate, but with people who are, I don't know, I feel like his patience it seems to be particularly high uh, in terms of like going into spaces where most people of color would kind of at a certain point be like really frustrated by the other person not getting it. Like I know that, for instance, um, I think his name is Scott Adams, the dude who uh, who who made the Dilbert, Dilbert. cartoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh, so he yeah. he I, I follow him on Twitter because he's an interesting dude. And like I I tend to follow people who predicted that Trump was going to be elected because I'm like y'all can like like if you called it way 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 back then with a hundred percent certainty, then I trust like how you're reading situations. Um, so mm. I followed him for that reason. But like there are certain things where it's like he clearly just doesn't understand what people of color are going through. Um, but Hawk has been someone who has like come onto those platforms and like. While Scott Adams himself isn't particularly like super, super, super right wing, like some of his followers are. And like it's kind of the few times that I see that interaction actually playing out is when like Hawk jumps on like a live stream and then like these super right Trump supporters who are often at at best ignorant, at worst hateful, um, are like kind of actually having a conversation with him. It's 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 dope to see him trying to do that, even if at times uh, it, I'm sure it's super frustrating for him because it's even frustrating watching sometimes. Yeah. Here's the thing, right? When that moment happened, like it went mega viral. I'm, I'm pretty sure it has like 55 million, if not more views online right now, as far as like that whole moment. Um, there were a lot of black groups and groups that are to the left that completely shit on Black Lives Matter Greater New York um, because we were willing to take a stand and like try and find that common ground. And their reasoning was, you do not negotiate with people that want to kill you, period. And the reason why I, can, I decided that I wanted to continue moving with Hawk at that time was... Pretty simple. The way that I see it, you have two options. It's either you talk to, because like half the country feels the way that Trump feels and his message resonates. Otherwise, he wouldn't be running the show, right? So like it's either you find some kind of common ground and you move forward or you take up guns and you do something about it. And I'm not, that's just not my style. I'm not going to try and take up guns and do something about it. So you got to find the common ground. There's no other way. But then when you hear everyone talk, I guess even through our history, and I know you've read or heard about this a lot, when they're just like, also just the way people are moving with the side of the oppressor, you know, with the people who are moving with hate, how sometimes like conversation is really just not being as conducive as it should be. And of course, I'm not saying take up guns or anything, but it's like, what else can you really do? Is it just now based off of the next generation who we have to just make sure aren't being passed down all of this? ignorance because all the ignorance essentially is just learned and learned behavior and ended a day so i think it depends on who's leading the conversation the white house was built by slaves right facts and like the founding fathers although they did a lot of great things they also owned slaves and that trickles down in a lot of different ways so if you look at dr king for example he had the mic for a minute right he was leading a conversation and like a lot of the changes that we, a lot of the privileges that we have today come as a result of Dr. King dealing and negotiating with the oppressor. I think that says all you need to know. Wow, that's real. 
I want to bring it back full circle a little bit. Um, you talked a little bit about what you see the short term kind of future of protests being, but what is your longer term vision as far as your work is concerned? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm I'm trying to make a studio. Like, it's basically just using VR as a tool to show people what's good. That's basically it. <laughs> it's like <laughs> <laughs> you just went through all this. You just went through match in order to just be like, yeah, you know, um, I was threatened inside a church. Life was crazy, but you know. Should just build a studio. <laughs> that's just so <laughs> that's just so no, I, got, I got a, I got a mixtape. I got a mixtape, you know. Yeah, hundred dollars an hour. You push it on the side. Hundred dollars an hour. I get your tape going. <laughs> Whatever it takes, brother. Whatever it takes. But yeah, I don't know. What what do y'all what do y'all see? What what kind of holes do you see, and what what kind of changes do you think need to be made to the process itself? Yeah. Of activism. Um. I wrote this in the crib while I was getting high Watching New Jersey drive as the time flew by I realized that we only getting older Each year we celebrate Add weight to the boulders on our shoulders That we carried since a young age Cause we was always worrying about some grades They tell us smarten up while they get dumb paid Truthfully I'm just glad to see the sun rays My shine could have been stopped I could have been popped on my block I hope my neighbors on watch or not I love you, I don't say this often Shit, you only get a little older than Trayvon Martin And I ain't been the best brother, but today I'm starting Life is a gamble, take your chances, but take precaution Take your wins, how you take your losses I promise we gon' be on TV getting cake and bossing All year weather feel like May through August With green leaves to keep us baked like we been to Boston Boston